0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: If you were with me last week, you know that I gave you a three-part division. Of verses 1 through 18. And the first part, I told you that Jesus claims to be the shepherd to the sheep in verses 1 through 6. And the second part, I told you that Jesus claims to be the door to the sheepfold in verses 7 through 10. And then the third part we talked about last week, if you missed this teaching, you should go to the bookstore and pick up a copy. They'll probably have one for you today. The third part, I told you Jesus claims to be the good shepherd In verses eleven through eighteen, the good, the shepherd to the sheep, the door to the fold, the good shepherd. We talked about that the last time. Now listen, in the early church, in the first century, the greatest representation, or should I say, the motif, if you will, for Christ was that he was the great shepherd. He is the great shepherd because he shepherds and sacrifices for the sheep. Look at verse 11, if you will travel with me. He's a great shepherd because he knows his sheep by name. Look at verse 14 and 15. He's a great shepherd because he unites the sheep. Look at verse 16. He's the great shepherd because he lives for the sheep. In verse 17 and 18, in my Bible, in 17 and 18, I have written down. You got your pen ready? I have written down Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, right in the margin. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Somebody say amen. He is the great good shepherd of the sheep. Well, last time we talked about, look at verse 6 of chapter 10. Jesus said, he was speaking in illustration As he told the story of the sheep and the shepherd. Now, listen, let me get a little audience participation here. We talked about the last time. Remember, the sheepfold represented, somebody tell me, Israel. Very good. The sheepfold represented Israel or the Jewish nation. And then I told you the sheep represented who? The Jews, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, the people. Jesus said, I'm the door. Look at verse 2. He talks about the one who enters by the door. And the door, I told you, represented all the messianic prophecies that were fulfilled in Christ, which gave him rightful entry into the sheepfold. And then look at verse 9. Jesus said, I am the door. Look at verse 16. We talked about the other sheep. And who did we say the other sheep were? The Gentiles. Very good. You guys listen well. The Gentiles, the other sheep are us, believers, believers you, and me. And the thieves and the robbers, who do they represent? False teachers, very good. The thieves and the robbers are an illustration of the self-appointed, self-glorified false shepherds of Israel sneaking over the walls to try to fleece and slaughter the flock who do not know God, who did not love God, who did not care about God. They didn't care about the sheep. They trampled and drove and curse the sheep and cast them out. Jesus identifies with the sheep. Did you know that 28 times in the book of Revelation, Jesus calls himself the Lamb of God? Did you know that? 28 times in the book of Revelation, Jesus calls himself the Lamb of God. Jesus says, I am the Lamb of God. He could have called himself the King of Kings 28 times. He could have called himself the Lord of Lords 28 times. He called it, he could have said, I'm the ruler and the most powerful potentate of the universe of every spiritual realm 28 times, but he doesn't do that. 28 times, Jesus calls himself the Lamb of God, which tells us that he knows what it's like to be here, and he knows what it's like to be thirsty, and he knows what it's like to be hungry, who's listening, and he knows what it's like to be taken advantage of, and he knows what it's like to be betrayed, and he knows what it's like to be tempted, yet without sin. Well, listen, can you say a better amen than that? Well, listen, we left off Jesus seeking to explain this word picture, and you're going to be happy you came to church today because the following verses are consoling and calming and comfortable and comforting. I told you last week we talked about the Good Shepherd Part 1. What's the title of this sermon? The good shepherd part, Two. There you go. Look at John chapter 10. We pick up in verse 19. Saints, if you're looking at verse 19, say amen. Therefore, there was a division. I don't know. Not enough of y'all said amen. Look at verse 19. Say amen. Amen. All right. Therefore, in verse 19, there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. And why do you listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open blind eyes? Saints, stop right there. Now, the Bible tells us, give me your attention. The Bible tells us there was a division. Look at verse 19 again. It tells us that there was a division again among the Jews because of his sayings. Now, again, meaning they've been having a division among the Jews since chapter 7. The word division, you got a pen? Stay with me. The word division is the Greek word schismatizo. Anybody know what word we have? Schism or schism. I was going to say schematic, but that's not right. It's schism. Schism. We have schism. Division. Division. Have you noticed when it comes to Jesus, there's always a division? You notice that? When it comes to Jesus, you can't be neutral. You got to choose one side or the other. Are you listening? You can't be neutral. You cannot be neutral. The one person says, well, well, you know what? I, I don't choose Jesus at all. Listen, in your lack of decision, it is a decision. Jesus said, you're either for me. Somebody help me. You're either for me or against me. You cannot be in the middle. You cannot be in the center. You have to choose one or the other. You know, the other day, I was, uh, Elvira and I took, well, I told you, we took a ride. We were on the elevator, and so this couple gets on the elevator, and, and, and I, was, I was telling this couple, I said, you know, I was telling them, I said, you know, if you want to get from, like, we were on the 18th floor. I said, well, if you want to get, I know the way. It's a way that you can, you know, do the buttons on the elevator, that if you're on the 18th floor, You can go straight down to the first floor without stopping on any floor. There's a way you can do the buttons. And I was telling them and showing them that way. And um, I'm not going to tell y'all. I don't want to be a bad witness. I'm your pastor. So uh, so I'm telling them, you know, and I'm, I'm on this elevator and I'm thinking, you know what? Think about this. An elevator goes up or goes down. But an elevator doesn't stop in the middle. If an elevator were to stop in the middle, it would open the doors and you would be faced with a brick wall. An elevator goes, I'll make a sermon on anything, y'all. Trust me, I'll find a sermon in something. But an elevator goes up or down, but never in the middle. Well, notice the schism or the division is over whether Jesus has a demon or not. Look at verse 20. They said he has a demon possessed. He is mad. It's unfortunate that this isn't the first time they accused Jesus of having a demon. In Matthew chapter 12, they brought a man who was demon-possessed, and Jesus cast it out, remember? And the Pharisees said, Jesus is doing the works by the power of Beelzebub. And in that same chapter, you ought to read it in your own time, Jesus goes on to talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And the reason Jesus starts talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, because, listen, you are in danger when you begin to attribute, are you listening? You are in danger when you begin to attribute the power of God to the power of Satan because that will ultimately lead you to rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you reject Christ and the Holy Spirit, you can't be forgiven. And that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, rejecting the total revelation of Jesus. So they're torn, they're divided because they can't, deny his works and his words and look at verse 21 and some said he has a demon and others said these are not the words and the works of a man who has a demon in other words demons don't heal people somebody say amen and demons don't make people well and demons don't open the eyes of the blind so that they can see light demons are darkness and they want everyone to walk in darkness In verse 21, they said, can a demon open the eyes of the blind man? Now, listen, they're referring to, if you want to write this in your margin, John chapter 9, the blind man in John chapter 9. Well, now look at verse 22, if you will, with me. If you're looking at verse 22, say, I'm looking at it. Now, it was the feast of dedication. Underline that. And where was it being held? Oh, y'all need to work with me. Where was it being held? And what time of year was it? And Jesus walked into the temple in Solomon's porch. And then the Jews surrounded him. Get this in your mind. They surrounded him and they said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If, circle that, you are the Christ and tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them and said, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me, but you do not believe me because you are not of my sheep. As I told you, my sheep hear my voice, and I, verse 27, y'all need to read this with me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never, underline that, perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. I and my Father are Ah. There you go. So chapter 7, let me have your attention. Chapter 7 through 9 brings us to the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is, the, which is the end of September and the beginning of October. Now get your pen ready. You need your pen right now. Verse 22 brings us to the Feast of Dedication, which is the 25th of Chesluv on the Jewish calendar, or... Cheslev, some people pronounce it, C-H-I-S-L-E-V, the 25th of Cheslev, or December. It's Hanukkah. Hanukkah means dedication. Between verse 21 and 22 is approximately two to three months. So it's possible for those two to three months, Jesus went back to Galilee. The reason I believe that is because if you fast forward to verse 40, it tells us he went away again beyond the Jordan. It's possible Jesus went out of town for a few months and then returned to Jerusalem. And verse 22 tells us we are in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, they were celebrating the Feast of Dedication. And the Bible tells us it was winter. Now, look at me. This is fascinating. The Feast of Dedication is Fascinating. The Feast of Dedication is not on the Jewish calendar. And when I say the Feast of Dedication is not on a Jewish calendar, that means that God did not establish this feast. It is not a feast of the Old Testament. This feast came into existence during the 400 silent years. Anybody know what the 400 silent years were? Go ahead and yell it out. The time between... The Old and the New Testament, or between Malachi, or Malachi, if you're uh, Italian, and, and Matthew. Between Malachi and Matthew, or between the Old and the New Testament, is known as the 400 silent years. The Feast of Dedication is sometimes called the Feast of Lights. Now listen close. It was at this time, the king of Syria. His name was Antiochus. And Antiochus was in love with Antiochus. He was a narcissist in the, to the nth degree. He was so in love with himself that he gave himself another name. And you know you love you when you give you another name. Almost like people do it on Facebook today. Y'all see that thing on, fa- on Facebook today? Everybody give themselves another name nowadays. I saw his name in this one girl. She said, her name was like Sharon Love Bubbles Williams. I'm going to give myself another name. Pat... Pastor Rodney, fly Pastor Rodney Finch. Give myself another name. Well, Antiochus gave himself the name Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes. Epiphanes means the great one. So his name was me, the great one. A modest fellow was he. Well, the Jews felt that there was only, you know this, the Jews felt there was only one great one, and that would be who? God. And so they decided to play on his name and do like a play on words on his name. So they called him Antiochus Epimanes, Epimanes, which means me, the madman, the madman. Antiochus was a great lover of Greek things. He loved Greek philosophy, he loved Greek religion, he loved Greek food, Greek art, Greek everything, and he hated Jewish everything. He hated Judaism and he wanted it it out of the picture. He tried to be diplomatic for his first term and sneak Greek culture into Judaism and that didn't work. Well, in his frustration over trying to destroy Judaism, 170 A.D., he attacked the city of Jerusalem and killed 80,000 Jews. He took another 80 to 100,000 Jews into slavery. He then robbed the temple treasury. He made it a capital offense to copy the scriptures. In other words, you couldn't own a Bible or you'd be killed. It was a capital offense to circumcise your child. So a mother, a Jewish mother caught circumcising her child on the eighth day would be crucified with her child hanging around her neck. He wanted to destroy the Jews. He made the temple a den for prostitutes. In AD 167, he desecrated the temple by slaughtering a pig on the altar and he sacrificed it to the Greek god Zeus. Now many, are y'all listening to me? Many believe that this is what Jesus is referring to in Matthew chapter 24 as Jesus talks about the abomination of desolation or the abomination which causes desolation Spoken of by Daniel the prophet in Daniel chapter 9. And let me just tell you two things about prophecy. I'm not going to deal with a whole lot today about prophecy. And if you have listened to me in my revelation study, we deal with all this. But I want to tell you two things about prophecy. Prophecy usually has a twofold context. There's an immediate context and there is a futuristic context. Now, for those of you who don't know this, you need to write it down. There's an immediate context and there's a futuristic context. Now, as it relates to the abomination of desolation, in the immediate context, the pigs were slaughtered and an idol was set up in the temple and the priests were made to drink the blood of the pigs, which was a cause of desolation or a desecration of the temple. In the futuristic context, during the last half of the seven-year tribulation, which is three and a half years, the Antichrist, get my revelation stuff, the Antichrist is going to set up an idol in the temple and cause people to worship, which will also be an abomination, which will cause desecration or desolation of the temple. Well, enough is enough. 164 A.D., a Jewish patriot by the name of Judas Maccabeus. He was a great military leader and a brilliant man. They gave him the nickname Hammer, and it wasn't because he wore big pants. Say amen if you knew that. They gave him the nickname Hammer, Because he was good in hand-to-hand combat and guerrilla warfare, Judas Maccabeus staged a rebellion, and in three years, he delivered Jerusalem from the hands of Antiochus Epiphanes, and the temple was restored to Israel. Listen, I tell you all that to tell you this. It was this event that established the Feast of Dedication, because after the rebellion, they rededicated the temple. And it was Judas Maccabeus that said, from this day on, cleansing of the temple will be commemorated on the 25th of Chesluv. So Hanukkah is also known as the Feast of Lights or the Feast of Dedication. It is a Jewish holiday commemorating the rededication of the temple. So the Feast of Dedication takes place two months after the Feast of Tabernacles, of which we just talked about in chapter seven through chapter nine. So in our text, it's the Feast of Dedication. Jesus is now in Solomon's portico in the, w- in the winter. Solomon's portico was on the eastern side of the temple precincts. If you've been to Israel with us, you would be standing on the eastern side and looking at the Mount of Olives. And, and you can see how beautiful the Mount of Olives are from the eastern side of the temple precincts. Well, look at verse 23 in your Bibles. Jesus is walking in the temple in Solomon's porch or Solomon's portico. Now listen, look, give me your attention. Jesus is God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus is omnipotent. Somebody say amen. amen. That means he's all powerful. Jesus is omniscient. That means he knows everything. Are you glad about it? He knows everything. So, Perhaps, here's my sanctified imagination for you. Perhaps, maybe, possibly, imaginably, conceivably, Jesus is thinking in just a few short months this portico or this porch of thousand thousands of people are going to be gathered together, and the Holy Spirit's going to fall, and people are going to begin to speak in tongues. And then Acts chapter 3, Peter is going to give the greatest sermon of his life. And 3,000 people are going to be saved. And right here on this porch, right after that, 1,000 more, right about Acts chapter uh, 4 and 5, thousands more are going to give their lives to him. And then throughout the ages, Luther and Calvin and Swingley and Sunday and Ham and Graham and Smith and Finch will be saved. And thousands will come to know him, all because the gospel was preached at this portico, on this porch by the Apostle Peter. Somebody need to say amen and clap your hands when you do that. The gospel went out. My point is this. The gospel went out right from here. Jesus is walking around, the Bible tells us, and he's musing. It's Jerusalem. It's in the winter. It's the Feast of Dedication. And Jesus walked in the temple on the grammar. Now listen, I'm going to give you a lot of Greek here. It's not because I'm trying to impress you with my Greek. I'm trying to help you understand something. In the Greek language, Jesus walking around in the Greek means he's pacing. It means he's musing on the porch. Verse 24, please look at verse 24. Don't look at me. Look at verse 24. The Jews surrounded him, and I get the impression that they surrounded him, and they're pointing their finger in his face, and they're saying, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you're the Christ, then tell us plainly. And in the Greek language, now listen, they have three, if you're taking notes, you write this down. In the Greek language, they have three classes or three class conditions for if. Number one, if, and it is, or since, If, like we would say if, you know, come see Kansah, if. And then thirdly, if, and it's not. Three class conditions. So they could be saying, since you are the Christ, tell us plainly. That's what I believe they're saying, because think about it. You don't just walk up to anybody and say, tell us you're the Messiah, Maybe they're thinking this is the one who's going to set us free. Maybe they're thinking this is the one who's going to finish the work that Judas Maccabeus began at the original Feast of Dedication and overthrow the Romans and free the land from foreign domination. Verse 25, Jesus said, I told you, and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Now notice this here, Jesus did not say, I told you plainly and openly Bible students, Calvary Chapel. Remember, I told you when you read your Bible, it's also important for you to see what is not being said. Are y'all all right? What is not being said? You want to notice he did not say, I told you plainly and openly. He says, I told you. Why? Because up to this point, Jesus has only plainly and openly told one person that he was the Messiah. From John chapter one until now, he has told one person that he is the Messiah. And you know who that one person is? The woman at the well. John chapter 4, verse 26. She's going on and on about where to worship. We don't know how to worship. We don't know where to worship. Some say worship over there. Some say worship over there. We don't know. And Jesus, she said, we don't know who the Christ is. Who is the Christ? And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.